Okay, so I'm Lily. I'm going to be doing the three minutes of fire. Um, very awkward, so I'm sorry if this is weird. <laughs> um, I know sometimes in life it's really hard trusting God and his purpose for you and like your, his plan for you. And especially when things are going on in your life, you're just kind of left thinking, why? Like, why is this happening to me? Why now? One of my favorite verses is John 13, 7, and it says, You don't understand what I'm doing now, but someday you will. I know it's hard. <laughs> I've been there for a long time, actually. And we need to realize that it's only through putting our full trust in God that we can come out of this hard time. And um, just need to trust that God has a plan. And just trust in him because he, he's going to give you the strength to get through it. He won't give you a battle that he's not going to be there fighting it with you. And in this next song, it mentions that through his name, we come alive to declare our victory that he's given us because he's victorious. And I encourage you to do that just through this next song, come alive in him because he loves you and he's not going to care where you've come from or where you are even in your life right now. He just, he loves you and he wants to get you through this dark time. So through this next song, please just press in and be open to what God has for you because he will and he has a victory for you. You just have to let him give it to you. Hey guys, I'm Grace. Um, hey, how's it going? <laughs> um, I've actually been praying about speaking for like a few years now, actually. I think it was like a, like one or two years ago when I actually told Jeremy that I wanted to share my testimony and like I never texted him back because I was like, never mind, it's okay. So um, this is like something that I really wanted to share for a long time and um, just kind of something that needed, needed to take time to um, develop for this. So make a little disclaimer before. I'm not sharing my story for your sympathy or for you to feel bad for me. Um, I just really want to be real with you guys and show you, like, exactly how amazing God has worked in my life and what he's done through me. Um, So, yeah. So, just starting out uh, with a really sad fact, like, on a really sad note for you guys. Um, I've actually been pretty sick for, like, my entire life. So, it started off when I was a baby, and I was super colicky, which means that, like, throw up a lot, which babies, like, throw up a lot anyway, but I was, like, to an abnormal amount to where it was, like, not healthy, and I would always cry a lot, which babies also cry a lot, but it was, like, I was probably the worst baby to be around, so, um, unfortunately, that didn't really get better as I got older. Um, I remember even in elementary school, I was, like, my mom, I'm not trying to be mean to my mom either. I think she's, she's really awesome, and we just, She's right over there. But <laughs> just a little bit. Um, she thought it might be because I was, like, fat that I, my stomach was hurting so bad. And I just remember her saying, well, honey, like, maybe you should just eat a little bit less and maybe you'll feel better. And I was like, okay, mom, <laughs> there goes my self-esteem, but it's okay. <laughs> no, really, she just really, we really had no idea what was going on. So it was all in good, good intentions. But, um, yeah, it really didn't get any better, and it was just kind of, this constant pain that I had whenever I ate or whenever it just wanted to happen, I guess. And um, 
then, so that was just keep getting, keeps getting worse as I was growing up until I got to my eighth grade year was really when I started to struggle in some other areas. Um, my best friend at the time had, she, we had been best friends since like fourth grade and like we were like the kind of best friends that were like over at your house every weekend. Like I call your mom, mom, like that kind of best friends. And it wasn't the first time I had dealt with like mean girls because girls are really mean, right? Like, I'm sure everybody knows that. <laughs> I really hate that sometimes. And this wasn't my first time because, like, for example, in kindergarten, the cheetah girls were, like, the coolest thing ever. And some of you may not understand that, but literally the coolest thing ever. I had, like, a decorated room. It's really cool. Anyway, so there was a group of kindergarten girls who made, like, a cheetah girls group during recess. And so, obviously, I wanted to be a part of that. And... um Keep in mind that we're in kindergarten, so like five and six-year-old girls. And so you either had to be invited in or like you had to like ask, like plead to be in, which sounds awful now if you look at like five or six-year-old girls like dominating everyone. And so I went up and asked and I was like, hey, can I be in your cheetah girls club? And they were like, no, you're too tall, which is really funny now because I'm actually pretty short and like all of those girls are taller than me now but it's okay. I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so yeah, this wasn't my first encounter with mean girls, but the th- problem was is that this time it was completely different. This time it was my best friend of all time, and um, we didn't really live close to the church, so I didn't get to hang out with any of my friends here. So this was really, like, she was, like, almost all I had, and she became friends with a different group, the popular group. Some of those other girls from kindergarten were in that group, just by the way. And... Um, It was just really hard seeing them, like, you know, post about what they were doing, and, like, I had to watch it, and it was just, it was really hard. And, like, at one point, she even asked me to, like, move at lunch, and we had been sitting together since fourth grade just so her other friends could sit with her. And that might seem kind of insignificant, like, oh, yeah, everyone loses friends, like, but for this, like, for me, it really hit me hard. And I had this this overwhelming, like, drop in my self-esteem and my self-worth, and I started to feel unloved, and that nobody cared for me, and that I was, irre- I was replaceable. That was the big thing that hit me, because I was replaceable, and her life was going on, and she didn't care that I was out of it. And then I got this mindset that nobody cared if I would be gone. And so that was kind of my mindset <laughs> at that time, was that nobody really cared about me, that I was unloved, I was unworthy of having friends, and that nobody really cared if I wasn't really in their life. And so um, I just kind of let those, well, their lies, <laughs> I kind of let those lies sink into me, and that was, that was where I was at. And so um, that was my eighth grade year. And uh, the year, so that summer we went to Oklahoma as a youth trip, and it, we don't do that trip anymore, but it was really awesome. But um, uh, <laughs> anyway, so um, I think it was probably the last night. We had this really big bonfire outside by the lake. It was super cool. And, um, but before that, we had wrote down all of these, like, lies and stuff that we believed about ourselves, and we were supposed to, like, throw it into the fire as, like, symbolizing that we were getting rid of, um, we were getting rid of that. We were giving it to God and that it wasn't something that we believed anymore. And I just remember standing there and I had my thing in my hand and everyone had thrown it except for me because I couldn't, I couldn't let go of that because I believed that they were real. And I just remember feeling all this pressure, like, Grace, you have to throw it in. (laughs) 
You're the pastor's daughter. You have to have this all right. You can't struggle in your relationship with God. Everybody's watching you. You can't not throw this in. So I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) I'll throw it in. And I threw it, and it didn't make it. And it wasn't because I was a bad shot, because I I, I promise I'm I'm pretty good. (laughs) For me, it was... It was God's way of telling me that that's not, that that wasn't finished. That I can't just keep falling into these temptations and this pressure to do what I need to do, what I think I need to do, and what I'm pressured to do, that I need to deal with it. So I was like, okay, whatever. God, thanks for making me look stupid. I can't throw anything in the fire. And um, so I went to the, we went back to the camp place, and we were having another altar call. And I was like, okay, this is my first time going out to the altar which, take that in mind, I was in eighth grade by this time, and I got saved when I was, like, eight. So, like, it took me, like, I never went up to the altar because I was, like, I can't let people see that the pastor's kid is going up there. So, this is my first time, and I just went up to Nick Martin, and he um, used to be a leader here. A lot of you guys don't know him, which is also really sad. I was really close to Nick, and I just went up to him, and I just started crying, and I was, like, Nick, there's something, something wrong with me. You know, I should be happy. Everything's going pretty well. But I just can't, I can't get over it. I can't be happy. I feel numb to everything. And everything hurts, but it shouldn't. And I just couldn't stop crying at that point. And all he said, he just looked me right in the eyes and he said, Grace, you have to tell somebody. You have to get that off your chest because otherwise, if you keep it inside, it's going to kill you. And I just remember immediately this thought came into mind and he was like, isn't that what you want, Grace? And that's when I knew that I probably had a problem. <laughs> because I was like, yeah, that is what I want, actually. <laughs> um, and so I was at a pretty low point at that time, I would say. Um, looking back at it, I would think that I really was depressed. And um, I really hate that word nowadays because it's like a fad to be depressed. It's like a fad to be mentally unstable. And depression is like this really cool thing. Like if you claim you're depressed, everyone's like, oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry for you. Now we're best friends. Or, like, I'm praying. Like, it's just... Anyway, but I just... Depression is so much more than that. And when we take that meaning out of that word, we take the meaning out of the people who really are lost, the people who really are hurting, and we take that out of their hands, and we say that that's not real because everyone's depressed. And so for me, that's really hard sometimes when I see that. It makes me sick. (laughs) And then the same thing with, like, I wanted to die, And now people say that all the time. Like, you get a bad test and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to kill myself. That's not okay either. I mean, that that hurts people. You know, that makes that, that feeling that I had, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone, ever. That feeling of helplessness, that you're not worth anything. That's not something that I want to be normalized or anything. So, um... Okay, so yeah, so that is just, you know, that, that's where I was. And I was at a place where I was wondering what God was doing with my life. Because I felt like I was doing everything right. You know, I was praying, I was going to church two times a week, I was there early, I was there late, I was, I was reading my Bible, I was doing my devotions, and still I felt like I didn't want to live this life that God had given me. And that scared me a lot. <laughs> So that was my mindset going into my freshman year. And, um, you know, more mean girls. My stomach still hurt all the time. And I was to the point where I was like, 
doubled over in pain every time I ate anything, and it was just not a good time. <laughs> and um, so that was up until winter retreat my freshman year. And um, I went because I was like, God, this is your last chance. Because if you don't do anything, I don't know why I'm even alive. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing here because I'm in pain. I hate myself, so why am I here? And so um, I can't even tell you what his name was. I don't remember or what he even talked about that week because the first thing that he said was like, focus on one thing that you want from God. You know, come expecting something from God. And so I, all I asked God that entire three days, I guess, was, um, I want to be healed. And I didn't specify, like, mentally or physically, but I just asked God for healing in some sort of way because I was really, really done. And so, um, you know, I don't think I've ever prayed as hard as I did in those first two nights. And um, so by the third night, I was, like, really mad. (laughs) I was like, God, are you kidding me? I didn't even want to come, and now I'm here every night at the altars, and I'm crying out to you, and nothing's happening. And you're not answering me, and I feel like you've left me, and I don't have a purpose. So what are you doing? And um, I, just, I just got to the point where I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to worship if you're not going to answer me. I'm just going to worship you because, you know, my love for you should not be circumstantial because yours isn't for me. And um, I just kind of let it, let it go, and I just worshipped him fully. And literally in that moment, I just felt like this huge weight lifted off my shoulders. And literally since that day, I've not been depressed or had any suicidal thoughts. And, you know, I was healed in that moment. And it was in that moment that I let God heal me. And that I fully, I fully stopped hating God, <laughs> hating what he was doing. And I just let him come into me, and I started to worship. And I think that's why worship is so important to me, because that's a moment where we can really be real with God, and we can really worship him for all that he is. And that was the moment that God, you know, came down and healed me. And so um, after that, um, shortly, uh, we figured out what some of my, like, physical medical problems were. So joke's on you, Mom. It wasn't because I was fat. It was because my organ was dead. So, um, so I mean, you know, life's, um, so, yeah, but anyway, so, um, you know, life's still hard, though. Life still, you know, I still mess up, and, you know, everyone struggles. But that brings us back to this monumental question that I think Christians deal with and they find themselves at a lot is, why does God let bad things happen to good people? And, you know, I feel like that question, like, looms over Christians because we get probably, like, if you, like, say, talk about Jesus to anyone, they're like, well, why would God let this happen to me? You know, why, why would this bad thing be happening to my life? And, you know, we try to do things right. We try to pray and everything. And there's times when doubt creeps in and we wonder where he, he's taking us and what he's doing. And um, I think the big thing we often forget is that God is so much higher than us. You know, his ways are so much higher than than us. His plans are so much higher than us. His thoughts are so much higher than us. And I was reading a book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan, and he had an illustration that I really, really loved, and it should be up on the screen soon. 
Okay, so this one says, it says, not being able to fully understand God is frustrating, but it's ridiculous for us to think that we have the right to limit God to something we are capable of comprehending. What a stunted, insignificant God that would be. If my mind is the size of a soda can and God is the size of all the oceans, it would be stupid for me to say that he is only the small amount of water I can put, I can scoop into my little can. Because God is so much bigger, so far beyond our time-encased, air, food, sleep-dependent lives. I mean, you know, like, it would be stupid for us to say that God is just this small little thing. Because it's, it's, it's not, God isn't something we can really comprehend. And so I feel like when we see these bad things happening, we try to make sense of them. We try to, we try to see what God's seeing. And then we get an insignificant God out of that, out of our little mindsets, because we're not really seeing what the true thing is, because we're not God. So I know it's really frustrating because I struggle with it and the fact that I don't know what I'm doing with my life. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know what I'm going to go to college for. I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. I don't know, you know, where I'm going to go. And it's that's really scary, and I feel like that's something that everyone deals with, obviously, because we're all wondering, you know, what did God create me for? What is our purpose? And so, um, I think looking back, it's easier to see what God's done, because when you're in that moment, it's hard to realize what he's doing. And so, a super common verse that Jack has to remind me of, like, 24-7, because I can never... I just have a hard time not having a plan, is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God's plan is to give us a hope and a future, so we don't have to worry about those things. And God isn't going to leave you right where you are. God's going to take you places, but only if you let him. Um, one of the favorite things that my dad said in one of his sermons, I kind of made my own, was... Um, You're only as close to God as you allow yourself to be. You know, you can choose to cut him off. You can choose to cut off everyone. And you can choose not to have the relationship with him. And, you know, that's that's your choice, really. It comes down to what are you going to choose to let God be in your life. So another quote from Crazy Love that really, really goes along with this is, The irony that is that while God doesn't need us but still wants us, we desperately need God, but we don't really want him most of the time. And he, he treasures us and anticipates our departure from this earth to be with him. And we wonder indifferently how much we have to do for him to get by. Because God doesn't, God doesn't really need us, does he? No. <laughs> but he wants us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And we need him, but we don't really want him most of the time. Because it's, in the end, it's all our choice. It's our choice if we're going to push past, you know, how we're feeling today, how we're feeling today, you know. It's our choice. And um, so one of my favorite things that Jeremy has said is, you know, we're not meant to do this life alone. You know, we have to reach out to people. That was, like, one of my biggest problems. You know, throughout those, like, two years or so, I didn't let anybody know. Like, I kept it all under the surface. I'm sure, like, nobody had any idea. (laughs) And it was because I didn't want them to. But really, we need them to. We need others throughout this life because without them, we're just going to plummet. And so, um, I know we're all sitting here with our own struggles and our own problems. And we need 
We need companionship. We need to talk to people about what's going on in our lives. You know, no matter how insignificant or significant that you think your problems are or what you're going through is, it's not insignificant to God. You know, your mom might not think, might, your mom might not care. Your friends may not care. The people next to you might not care. But you have to find those people who do. And you have to realize that God always does. God cares no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life or what you've been through. Because he created you and he loves you. Can I have the leaders and the student leaders who want to come up? Um, so I'm just going to encourage you guys right now. Um, if you're dealing with something... It, no matter how big or small that you think it is, it's worth coming up and it's worth getting somebody to talk to about it. If I would have had somebody to talk to, I probably would have been in a better place. But I didn't want to. And so I'm encouraging you right now to come up. Don't feel ashamed. Um, come up with someone, with your friend or something, if you're dealing with anything. If you need any prayer for anything at all. You know, you can't do this life alone. So yeah, if, you're, if you want prayer for anything... I encourage you to come up and take this opportunity.